Hey, this is Jeff. Grab yourself a cup of coffee and join us at the table as we talk to another great leader about faith, church, and leadership. Welcome to the Leadership Drip. Rob, we are back at the table here at the Leadership Drip, and we have a newfound friend with us. Yes. A Ainsley Britton. She's an author, a speaker, fellow podcaster at Wild Confidence, which I love that title. We should have thought of that one first, maybe. Yeah. And we should have. in one of our favorite conversations, she's an Enneagram coach. We love the Enneagram. And later on the show, we're going to guess Enneagrams. But welcome to the show, Ainsley Britton. Thank you so much. I am pumped to be here, guys. We're glad to have you. So uh, we, uh, we know that we have some mutual friends and uh, we know we're going to get more to the Enneagram in just a little bit. Uh, yeah. On episode four, like when we, Jeff and I were just starting off. We were terrible. We were terrible. Podcast, she probably, she probably, well, since you know her personally, she probably said that was the worst podcast I've ever done in my life. No, but, it no, but it's no. fine. It's cool. Uh, we were new. And uh, so we got to talk to Beth McCord. So, and I know Beth McCord is your enneagram coach quite literally coach yeah literally yeah. <laughs> and so uh so we're, you know we unpacked all nine types with her and um so someone is new to this enneagram conversation kind of give us sort of your take your quick overview of what the enneagram is how you're using it sort of to impact help build the kingdom and um yeah just talk to us for a minute about it sure so that's so awesome that y'all had her on here. And since I am certified through her program, I explain it pretty similar to her, which is that the Enneagram is a map or a GPS of self-discovery based on nine basic personality types. It describes why you think and feel the way that you do based on your core fears and core desires, mm. which is deep. It gets yeah, really yeah, deep. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> And, and what we've seen is the Enneagram has like exploded in the last probably two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. People, people sort of doing Enneagram tests, finding out their Enneagram, um, especially in the young adult community. I feel like it's become Definitely. sort of a revelation type thing for them. And it's primary conversation here on the college campus. Most every student we run into knows their Enneagram and can <laughs> talk somewhat intelligently about it, or at least aware of it. Why do you think the young adult community has gravitated so much to this tool as sort of a self-discovery? I am so pumped, first of all, that it that it is trending right now, yeah. because one of the most powerful things as a young adult, I think, is self-discovery. I think if I would have <laughs> discovered myself a little bit earlier, I might have been able to change the world by now. But I, I believe that it's more accurate. Um, than any other personality type test kind of thing out there. That's my personal opinion. I think they're all helpful tools, of course, but I think this, the Enneagram is so incredibly accurate and it really makes people feel known and it makes people feel understood. And if there is anything that I know about young adults is that that is the craving. The craving is for people to, to know them and feel under, or for them to feel understood and seen and the Enneagram, when you're reading your type, you're like, oh, that you just read my mail. I mean, there are so many family members that I have friends and family members that I've sent it to and been like, all right, let's, you know, dive in because obviously I can talk about this all day. Like I'm obsessed. And <clears throat> they just start crying. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, I didn't mean to, I, I, oh, okay. 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 Calm down. Calm down. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> but it really does make you feel 
seen, known, understood, and I believe hopeful because it really does. Ian Morgan Cron says that it shows you the box you're in and allows you to, to really step out of it and expand from that. That would be a paraphrase. He said it more eloquently, but it does. It really shows you your self-limiting beliefs and it explains that other people have them as well. So you're not alone and that healing is available. Growth is available. And I believe that the Enneagram is useless without the gospel, totally useless without the gospel. What is self-discovery if, if you have no cure or, or hope, right? Right. So, um, that is, that's what I think is what is so attractive about the Enneagram in the young adult community right now. Yeah. So the, the Enneagram is, it's not necessarily new. It's been around actually quite a long time. It's, it's not something new, but it's just really caught on the last several years mm-hmm. in terms of this tool for uh, growth and assessment of, 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 you know, of our lives. So yeah, um, a lot of times tools have also um, negative consequences or risks involved or yeah. some things that can become dangerous with it. And, and the Enneagram is no different, right? Yeah. Uh, and we're not claiming that the Enneagram is, is a part of the you know, sola scriptura, right? I mean, it's, it's not that, right? It's not yeah. scripture. No one's claiming that. Um, exactly. And even, even in the local church, some local churches are pushing back on it because it's perhaps too humanistic. It's too self-discovery-ish. It's too self-help-ish. So I know that you've obviously probably had some challenges or some conversations about that as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for someone wanting to engage with the Enneagram, what are some, just some things that, Hey, yeah, use it as a tool, but here are some mm-hmm. cautions to be aware of if you do, or what is, what is a conversation we can have with other people who don't fully understand and are pushing back or afraid to use the Enneagram because it's too self-discovery-ish. That makes sense. Yeah. So I always tell people, I'm like, you, no matter what you do, you have to use discernment. If you get into this and you feel like you're putting yourself on a pedestal or you feel like you are placing yourself in the God role, you need to put it down and walk away. That, that like, I am, I always tell people, don't put all of your personality eggs in the Enneagram basket. Mm -hmm. It's not the end all be all. I mean, I'm literally like, I get paid to tell people about the Enneagram and I'm saying, if it's overwhelming or doesn't feel right, do not do the Enneagram. Do not mess with it. Because it's really not as deep. I mean, it's a very deep um, learning tool. It, it can go deep to your core, right? But it's also just a tool. Like the right. Myers-Briggs is just a tool. Like Bible studies are a tool to learn more about the Bible or and in, in engage in community. Well, if you, feel, if you feel a little bit weird about your community or your Bible study, you feel like it's, it's kind of taking things out of context or, or the relationships aren't there, then you need to step away from that. You know, protect your heart, protect your heart, protect your heart. So I always, I mean, anytime that I'm talking about the Enneagram with anyone, I'm praying over them that the Lord reveal himself to them, not all of, not just all of their faults or all of their brokenness, but the healing power that he has through a self-discovery tool. But yeah, I mean, I would always just say, if it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't feel like it's from the Lord in this season of your life, don't do it. Don't worry about it. One of, yeah. one of the great parts, you mentioned this about Cron. <laughs> I remember reading The Road Back to You mm-hmm. um, right before we talked to Beth McCord. Right. And, and so it was like, it was unreal how much when I read my type, the things he said in the book that were so much like on target 
and like this mirror of things I, I saw, but didn't want to see, like, if that makes sense, like, I was like, oh, I do that. Yeah, yeah. I think like that. Oh, I feel that. Like, yeah. like reading through my type, I was like, like in tears almost, because it was like so revealing in this personal way. Like, okay. how do you know, how do you know me? <laughs> Like yeah. so well, yeah. like he's writing in generalizations about people that are just connected to the type. Um, so it is, it is very reflective and very mm-hmm. revealing of who you are. So Ainsley, what led you down the path for your connection or led you to, to discovering the Enneagram? Yeah. Wow. Um, I love and hate the story because it reveals, uh, some things about me, but about six years ago, I, met, oh, maybe a little bit longer than that. I really don't know. Um, met my husband. And around that time, a friend had given me an Enneagram book. It was like, honestly, it was just a random book to me. I was like, I don't even like reading. I'm not going to read this, but you can give it to me, whatever. She just wanted to give it to me so bad. And I was like, all right, I'll take the book. (laughs) And so I kind of like started reading it not to figure myself out, but I was like, Ooh, I want to figure out this guy and like impress him. Like, how can I impress him with my knowledge? <laughs> like, I don't think he was impressed because I started to get paranoid because I thought that he was a seven right off the bat. And one of the things is commitment issues is that I was reading and I was like, Oh gosh, Oh gosh, abort, abort. <laughs> like, what if he doesn't like me? He can't commit. I can't do this. So I literally put the book back down. I was like, yeah, I'm done here. Um, (laughs) But then I really, I think one of my friends was like, yeah, you're a little bit crazy. We're going to revisit this and we're going to do it for you, not for anybody else. You're going to learn about yourself more before you try and learn anything about anybody else. So um, whenever I started to do that, I was able to learn that I'm okay with my faults, right? Yeah. not in that I should, you know, just live that way, but try and grow and that, that I'm not alone in them. And the same thing with young adults. I was a young adult whenever I discovered this, I think I was like 22 and, Oh, ouch. I, that is eight years from current. Yikes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I was around that age though. And I just got into it from there. And I was like, look, I'm going to use this for my, for myself. And then once I felt secure in that and um, just who I was and what the Lord said about me, because it totally connected me to the Lord immediately. Cause it was like, Oh, okay. I have all this information about myself. Now what? And my church was like, now you look at what the Lord says about you and allow him to usher in that healing of the things that you are struggling with or the core fear, right? Allow him to speak to that core fear. What does the Bible say about that core fear? And then from there, I was able to then apply it to the other people in my life and say, Hey, this is what I see. That's beautiful in you. This is what I love about you. And I could speak to their core desire as well. Um, turns out my husband's not a seven. So I just totally misread him from the beginning, but that's okay because I, um, I figured it out since then. (laughs) (laughs) I think think what the Enneagram has done, especially, especially in the last couple of years, um, and especially with young adults, Gen Z specifically, I think what it does from a discipleship perspective is it gives us a clear indication that 
Gen Z young adults are really wanting to know who they are mm-hmm. and Absolutely. they're looking for avenues. They're looking for tools. They're looking for mechanisms for conversations that help them understand that because obviously they're digital natives. And we've talked about that a lot on, on the podcast, but uh, they're surrounded by so many different conversations and realities and culture that's telling them who they are, who they have to be, what they need to believe in, what they have yeah. to do. And it's just not resonating at the core of who they are. And so they're out seeking, they're looking for ways to yeah. identify themselves. And, and so in that respect, I think the Enneagram from a discipleship perspective gives us a really good indicator and an insight into what we need to be focusing on in terms of our discipleship mechanisms. Right. So I, I think, I think that's one of the great powers of the Enneagram is it, it ushers in a platform for us to disciple young adults. And I, I think it's fantastic. I and I think the other thing, that it reveals is language like like in myself mm-hmm. like I, I there's words i say that are attached to my type that annoy me at some points because like it's so revealing like oh why do you keep saying that word but it's, yeah. it's but it's built in the dna of who i am and but it's yeah. also given language to when you know somebody's type to kind of be able to have a conversation in a way they understand it i mean it, mm-hmm. it's not like just a i'm not gonna say the enneagrams the end all be all about it but it's really helped me as a discipler a mentor to look at a young adult and go, hey, your type is this. So I know what you're, how you feel and think a little bit. So if the language I use will help connect this conversation, then I can find the right language. It's helped me yep. in parenting. Believe me, in parenting, it's helped immensely with my kids. Um, so that's, yeah. I think that's a critical component. But let's get to the fun part of the show. Like, okay. like, I like, fun. like, I wish I had like the Ooh, show music. Like, you just oh, showed oh, your oh, cards, my friend. I grew up with the, uh, Emil's grew up with the prices, right? Like they had the great music, like super yes. classy 70s music. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's it right there. <laughs> you are a guest here at the show, Ainsley. So we're going to give you first dibs to guess our type. Welcome to guess our type, Rob. Guess our type. So Ainsley, you are the Enneagram coach and the expert in the room. We will give you a chance at some prize package we don't have yet <laughs> to correctly guess some some Jeff and prize. Rob's type. Okay. So our podcast listeners probably know we've talked yeah, about it we've quite talked a bit. About it, yeah. So, but we'll give you a shot first guess. And I've already got your type written down. I think I got you got you figured out. Are you serious? I'm probably wrong, but I think I got it. Well, let me let me tell you something. No one has ever accurately guessed my type well, then i'm wrong <laughs> but look today could be the day today it be could it. be the day um okay well so we have not gotten to know each other very much yet i mean i already know we'd be besties but because i normally ask a, a long list of questions i'm not going to do that what i would like from y'all if you are willing participants okay. yeah in a little twist of the game so I have a TikTok called Enneagram and Chill, and it's all playing into the stereotypical Enneagram stuff, right? So um, <laughs> one day I did a game. It was, and it was like, it's like the popular trend. It was like, what, two weeks ago or something like that. And it was like, tell me your Enneagram type without telling me your Enneagram type. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So because we don't know each other very well, if y'all could do that, that would help me out a ton and I could get way more accurate. Huh. I don't know how to say it without saying it. Yeah. Well, 
I kind of well, let my like you already I, know. Yeah, you already said you know, it. You I kind of said it. what you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that this show is just a great party. You know what I'm saying? It is like, a great party. Uh, it's a lot of energy and. Okay, seven. I, I, okay. Like, yeah. okay seven. <laughs> she's like seven. <laughs> so, so if you know he's Bingo. a seven, then it's probably easy to kind of see how I fall in line in this this relationship, right? No. So let me. Okay. So if Rob's got a good idea, he's gonna need someone to help. Yeah. Okay. Too. Okay. Yeah, so. <laughs> That's easy. So with mine, oh, oh, wait, okay, go ahead. Oh, wait, so you're going to guess mine? Yeah, so, yeah. so, okay. I, I feel like you're a three-wing four, because, like, the records in the back are artistic. Ray LaMontagne is not everybody's cup of tea, and, but you <laughs> seem sort of like, I'm going to figure it out, I'm going to go get it. Okay. Okay, I, like I, that went, I went, like, abstract off the wall. I think you're a six. Wing seven. Ooh, but that's Ooh. the triad though. The six three triad. We could both be on the on the closest to that. Wow, guys. I am neither of those. Man. <laughs> We're not any rim coach coaches. Beth, we need your help. But you know what? <clears throat> no one, no one ever guesses mine. So it's totally okay. And um I, I do want to say that it was, even if y'all hadn't played the game that I just explained to you, I think I would have been really close to your numbers because in ministry, a ton of people are sevens and twos. Yes. Like it's, it's so it's, that's an overwhelming amount. I was probably going to guess around there anyway, but I will say Rob you're not as seven as I, as I would have thought. So that probably means that you are in growth, which is great. Yeah, it is. You're, I don't, I wouldn't have like, as we're talking, I'm like, huh? Like, and then you had to say, if you wouldn't have said the fun thing, I probably would have been like, huh? I don't know. We probably would have stumped me a little bit. So you kind of revealed yourself there. I have been your guest. I'm just curious. Cause I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely believe that I'm in growth in terms of the Enneagram. So, yeah, um, I think I maybe would have said, well, I think I would have said one. Which is so seven and one go to like a seven goes to one or one goes to seven, something like that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. One. Yeah. Hold on. I always mix these up for some One's reason. go to seven in hell. In, in growth. Yeah. Yes. Do sevens go to one's, one? Seven's go yes. to um, but I wouldn't have thought you would have been okay. So this is actually a great learning opportunity. I wouldn't have thought that you would have been an unhealthy seven. Here's the thing. The most uh, well-rounded place that you can be is showing a little bit of each of those numbers, your main, your growth and your stress. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that you seemed like an unhealthy seven. It seemed like a more well-rounded one, which would show a little bit of seven, a little bit of one, a little bit of five. So anyway, that's just a, a little thing that I was no thinking need therapy. about. Our, our, so, so podcast listeners, please get the diagram so you can understand what we're talking about. Like, I know, I'm sorry. I went really rogue. You can okay. cut that out uh, if you want. We love it. We oh, love yeah, it. So we have lots of friends of it. So, um, okay, am, so yeah, I'm too. So I help and then I help some more and then I don't get any of my own stuff done. So <laughs> I was going to ask you the one thing that I was going to ask you if, if I didn't get what I needed from the tell me your Enneagram type without telling me your Enneagram type is, do you prioritize everyone else before yourself? 
Like oh, when someone asks you to do something, does it go to the very top of your list and yeah. everything else falls away? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then like, so, so like if I was a, a Marvel like figure, I would be the incredible Hulk. Like I'm chill as a two yeah. I, like swing to the eight. And like, I'm like, you won't like me when I'm angry. Like that is like, yeah. and so, so yeah. And stress, like it's hard. Like it's just this complicated thinking because like somebody go, Oh, can you do this? And I go, Oh yeah. And so really yes, I need you like, to need me, but I'm going to resent you for it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had to learn to say no, which has been challenging. <laughs> um like we're just confessing all our business yeah here. it's a, um, i cried when beth was on the show so i'm just going to admit it straight yeah up. oh i love that cried well, and like, anyway. you know what type <laughs> uncovered your enneagram yet though ainsley I, yes i know i'm about to give y'all another okay. hint do you know what type draws kind of confessions out of people mm. i know but i wish i was that type you mm. are that type out of people two to an eight are you an eight you're two I'm a two are you a two wing three i'm a very very strong three wing okay that very strong like, three wing. go get it kind of approach yeah. okay jeff was more right than me i'm a two wing three yeah you're, yeah so well, hey, six is the- really six stresses me out like i can't when someone starts talking about like what about this what about this i'm like i don't know i don't know i don't know <laughs> like worst case scenario. i don't know what about that <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, I'm, yeah. Like I don't. Yeah, I can't help you, and that hurts. Right. So. Or I'm like, well, if if you would just let me take care of it, everything would be fine, and you wouldn't have to worry. But also, yeah, I don't so, want to so take care of it. I guess six is because of the conversation we had about you launching the enneagram for your to discover your now husband. Like, well, what about this? Or what about that? And true. Can I date him? Like, so that's that's kind of where I was. Going so I, I picked up the records, which makes sense because a two goes to a four in health. So you're yeah. nerdy. Are you nerdy in the music? Is, are those Very, that that was my minor i actually have when i was 19 i made a record or an ep and it's still on spotify i can't i don't know how to take it down <laughs> friends oh. of the podcast we're gonna play so, it on the show we're gonna, show. Listen, we're gonna stream that just, over and over i have no idea it's like cringy pop country. Like it, I don't even like that vibe, but that's, that's what I was working with. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, I'm a two wing three, very, very strong three wing. In fact, I was sitting with uh, my friend yesterday, my friend Blake, and she was like, are you sure? She was like, I know you're the Enneagram expert, but like, are you sure? Cause, cause you're a little spicy too. <laughs> I was like, I am, I'm a little spicy of a two. But it all goes back to that core desire and core fear. I mean, every time, you know, I have an identity crisis because I'm like, I do not behave like a two. I don't, I I behave like a seven. I am so much more uh, sporadic and fun seeking. Like as soon as I signed uh, my book deal, which um, I, I literally, I literally immediately was like, I need confetti immediately. I immediately need to go find confetti. So before, like that was my first thought. I need to throw a party. I needed to, by myself, alone. I just need to find some confetti, pop a confetti popper. And I did that. And that's a little bit sad, but I literally just popped a confetti popper by myself. Not, not for me. Listen, no, like I, listen, all in, if, like, you were, if you were on our gram earlier this week, we celebrated our 50th episode. This is, we're recording. Oh my gosh, awesome. Episode. We had Dollar Tree party hats and those blowers. <laughs> and like, I we love had it. Yeah, yeah, so we're down with that. I had an asthma attack. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, no. It was great. 
So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So So I'm a two wing three. Two strong wing three. Uh, You dabble in the seven hood a little bit. You come over. Yeah. The seven. Yeah. So it's it's cool. Like that's great. So yeah. Um. So I think I think this is just a a great example on the show of like how how we can connect, how we can relate, how we can interact with each other using a great tool like the Enneagram to kind of discover not only just our personality types, but also really digging deeper in some of those core fears and those Mm -hmm. core desires. And I think at the end of the day, that's what this really helps build and strengthen so that you can learn to grow uh, in your God-given personality in healthy directions, creating healthy relationships, creating healthier realities, in your workspaces, in your ministry spaces. So, so I think that's kind of what this, this whole, this whole thing is about. And I think it's, it's a great, great little conversation. Um, So we've played the game, right? So the mission statement behind your brand is to help young adults discover or rediscover their identity in Christ. So tell us a little bit about kind of your story and how you discovered your own identity in Christ. Yeah. So we're going to take a hard right or left turn, whichever one you prefer. And we're going to go real serious, real quick. <laughs> I'm all fun and games until we start talking about like life change. And then I'm like, let's get to business. So whenever I was in college, um, towards the end of my college career, I was in an abusive relationship, mm-hmm. um, emotionally, physically, verbally, all the things. And I remember being in that relationship. And I, up until that point have always had a fairly healthy amount of confidence. And I just knew who I was in Christ up until this relationship. And it just flipped everything on its head. And the names that I was being called really made me question, am I those things? Am I just selfish and an idiot? And, you know, beep, 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 all those things. Am I that? Like, I was just so confused. And so hurt. I mean, the whole time you're right. It's, it's identity in the midst of trauma and figuring it out. And it just felt very confusing. So I remember thinking, I remember he's screaming at me one day, like throwing plates against walls. And I remember thinking all of these things that you're screaming at me are things that I would have used to describe you. I would have never called you that, but in my head, these are the things that you embody So it feels like you're projecting it on me. So if you hate me as much as you're saying, how much more do you hate yourself? And then that caused me to think, oh my gosh, that's so sad. It's so heartbreaking that you think these things about yourself so much that you have to project them on someone else because you don't know where to go or what to do. So even though I could recognize that it still made me question so much about my identity. And whenever that relationship ended by the grace of God, I had no clue who I was because it was so ingrained in me. I mean, I had known this person for so long that I felt like they knew me better than anyone on the planet. So whenever my core fear of not being wanted or being unworthy of loved was cemented from this Mm -hmm. guy, I was like, oh my gosh, if someone who has known me for so long doesn't want me or love me, how could anyone? And that just totally sent me on a self-discovery journey that I was like, 
I raced to the throne room. Like you wouldn't believe you, I could have won an Olympic medal. Cause I was like, no, I can't live like this. I have got to find the Lord. I have got to understand who I am. I just don't know. And I was having severe anxiety, depression, intrusive thoughts, all of these things. And so in my Enneagram two state, what did I do to solve my problems? I was trying to solve everyone else's. So I started, uh, (laughs) I started a 501c3 called unveiled campaign. And its mission was to unveil all the lies behind life controlling issues. So what are the lies you're believing about yourself with these, this anxiety, depression, intrusive thoughts, uh, suicidal thoughts, all these things. And through my work with unveiled, which was really just equipping people like take these resources. This is what's helping me. Please take them. Please take them. This is what's helping me. Um, I also went to counseling at the time. Also, thank you, Lord. Oh my gosh. Can we all say a hallelujah for the counselors in the world? Amen. Uh, They, uh, the, the girl who I was went to was life-changing. I mean, she's a Christian counselor. The Lord spoke through her like you would not believe. And it changed my life. And from there, uh, the Enneagram was one of the most helpful tools Mm. that I could say, oh, this is why that hurts so bad. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is what I can do to grow and rediscover my identity in Christ. And that's why, you know, discovering your identity in Christ is is one thing. Rediscovering it, I think, is 10 times harder Mm. because you because it's like it's so hard to bring yourself out of that unbelief whenever you've already believed once, I think, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just because that was my experience. It was so much harder to go back to the throne room uh, and, and believe that grace was sufficient and believe that I was wanted because I was so unwanted or I felt so unwanted, or I felt the shame of running away from the Lord and finding my identity in someone else. Um, So that's when I had that. I had a light bulb moment in the car. I was driving down Franklin Pike in Nashville and I had ignored the Lord for a long time because I was like, I can't believe you took that relationship away from me. Oh man. Um, Hindsight is so 2020. Thank you, Jesus. I say that every day. I'm like, thank you, Lord, for saving (laughs) me from that. But um, I was driving down Franklin Pike and I was like, you know what? I'm so desperate for healing. I'm just going to try turning on the radio just because music is, is something very healing. Mm-hmm. I think music is so incredible. So I turn on the radio. It happens to be on worship music. Like tell me the Holy spirit ain't real. That junk was not on worship music. The last time I turned on the radio. <laughs> so it just miraculously was on worship music. And it was like, the chains were just totally broken. That's so as cool. soon as that first note came out of those speakers, the Lord was like, I, I, I've got you. And we're going to do this together. We're rebuilding, reintroducing. You are my child. You are wanted and loved and valued. And that is how I rediscovered my identity. And then I had to shout it from the rooftops because I was like, yo, y'all got to hear this crazy stuff. Like you can reconnect with the Lord if if you feel far from him or you can connect with him for the first time. Yeah. So that's that's really yeah. the, 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 the thing. A hard relationship. Um, being an Enneagram too, I feel every bit of that. Um, and that, that core fear of being unloved and that sort of rejection piece that, that sometimes we felt when you came back to Christ and came back to the Mm -hmm. Lord, was there, how did you wrestle up the fear that, that God may not accept you, which is not a truth because a lot of times we just tell us lies, but in our, in our thinking, we're going, Hey, I'm unlovable. God, how can you love me? 
Christina's yeah. wrestling that thought. How did you overcome it? So I remember that the biggest thing I was carrying was shame. Mm. And I, this, this is just one of those things that I do in worship or now I do it in my everyday life. And it sounds very weird. So if I need to explain it further, please let me know. But you're, you're in a house of weird right here. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But I, I literally just close my eyes and I go into the throne room. Okay. I have expensive taste. So my throne room is gold everywhere. And I imagine the Lord in front of me. Like, this is just something I do to understand the position of my heart. I, it's weird, but I imagine myself going into the throne room. Okay. And I remember doing this one day in worship in church. I was like praying for spiritual gifts. I was praying for an anointing. I was just praying for everything. I was like, Lord, please give it all to me because I'm so lost. And I felt like I couldn't get into the throne room. Like I was just like so shame filled, so shameful. And I remember hearing there's no shame allowed in the throne room. Mm -hmm. So you can come in here and you can be freed from that shame. I will remove it right now. And so then I walked into the throne room and I was like, not to say that it didn't come back whenever I was feeling human and, and not in the throne room, it absolutely comes back. But every time it starts to creep back, I go back into that throne room because I know shame is not allowed in there. Yeah. Conviction, of course, is from the Lord, but shame is not what he casts upon us. He casts upon healing and redemption. And he is, was telling me like, not only is shame not allowed here, I work all things for good for those who love me. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to make a miracle out of this story. I'm going to give you restoration so you can then pour it out onto other people yeah. through me. You can tell people about your healing story. And I mean, that's, that's how I overcame it was just when the Lord told me there's no shame here. Yeah. I was like, Oh, so I can I just come in. Yeah. I walked yeah. through a really difficult season, probably five years ago now. Um, and I, I don't even know why I bought the book, but I bought the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Have you read that? Obsessed with her. Like, Every two's favorite author is Brene Brown. And, <laughs> and like, I, I, I'm a reader, but I'm not a, I don't read fast. Like it's 320 pages of like research on shame. And I think I read it twice in two weeks, like highlighted. Wow. Like, like because it was that, that revelation, like I, I, her relation with the Lord aside, I don't, that's between her and the Lord, but her her pointing out the things of shame were like revelatory mm -hmm. to me. And I was like, that is my story. Mm -hmm. And shame restricts us from the presence of God and not yeah. to get all Bible teacher on us. But, but a couple of years ago I was teaching um, out of the book of Joshua and, and they get to this place called Gilgal where they're, they're recircumcised and God sort of restores their relationship. And the, the expression is that God removes the reproach of Egypt. Now reproach can also be translated shame. So this mm. is 40 years after they left Egypt that they've been walking around as the slaves of Egypt still, but free in their body. And I think mm. sometimes we are free, but we're carrying the shame of where we've been. Yeah. And it keeps yes. us captive. Yes. And so that, that being able to process and overcome the shame piece, and I love that you point out conviction is different. That's the drawing right. of the Lord. Shame right. repels us from his presence. Yes. And so we've got to wrestle that out. And so shame is a powerful emotion that 
that if you're yeah. wrestling shame, man, you got to get free from that. Yeah. Um, and, and coming to the presence of God and restoring that covenant like they did in, in the book of Joshua is a great first step in breaking the, the chains of shame. So, yeah, and, and yeah. it's not, it's in, in shame. Sorry, is, no, no you're good. No, that's shame so good. Is, no, shame is not attached to a particular Enneagram number either. Right. Everybody has shame, right? Everybody right. carries shame. Everybody carries guilt. Uh, shame, obviously feeling bad about who you are, guilt, feeling bad about what you do. But uh, I love what you said. I think one of the, probably one of the, my favorite quotes of the whole show so far is shame's not allowed there in the throne mm-hmm. room. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not allowed. Like exactly. it's, it's rejected at the doorstep. Like you cannot carry that into the presence of God. And if we allow ourselves to mentally, psychologically, informationally, spiritually kind of process that reality, that truth, I think it changes things for us because if we're going to engage in worship, true, genuine encounters with Jesus, then we have to know that we got to check shame at the door. Absolutely. Can't take it away and you, you know what? Um, this is just a funny visual that I have in my head, but a lot of the things like when I feel like I'm wearing something that's not for me, it kind of feels like a cape. Like that just is what I envision is like the word, the banner on my back is shame or unworthy or whatever that, and it's like tied around my neck. And whenever I try to go into the throne room with those things, I always imagine like Paul or someone like yanking it back. Like a dog goes back on a, on a leash, like, Whoa, Oh, I can't go in with this. Okay. I got to leave it at the door. Yeah. That's a good reason. Well, He's I mean, like, no, we're going to take this off before you go Corey, in there. Corey Asbury wrote that song. Um, Egypt. No, no. Um, I don't know. He's I, like every other song. Well, we call, uh, check your shame right at now. the door. It's not welcome here anymore. Oh, the so father's good. house. The father's, father's house. house. We have a winner. Oh yeah, right? yeah. I'm obviously yeah. a great vocalist. I should I should release an EP like like Ainsley, but oh, no, should, <laughs> listen, there should be a duet, Rob and Ainsley. <laughs> We're cutting that now. But I think I think I think. I don't know why I admitted that. Oh my gosh. One of the big things in marriage counseling, premarital counseling that I talk about with couples all the time is this issue of shame. Mm -hmm. It's one of the major focuses of, Mm -hmm. of, for me in premarital counseling, because if you enter a marriage covenant, a marriage relationship, if you're both, you know, pulling a wagon of shame and guilt into the marriage, that's going to impact every single thing that you do from that point forward. So yeah. just an incredible conversation. We could probably spend a whole show on that. Well, yeah. we'll just get together later. We'll have to do it again. Yeah. Gotta, gotta come, yeah. back. Gotta come back. So, so let's talk about how, how that journey and that process led you to here and, mm-hmm. and really a heart for young adults. And identity is kind of a buzzword in our culture. Everybody's like got some sort of identity and, and most of the identities they're putting on are probably not the right identity. Mm-hmm. So how did you land on this particular bend in your calling to help shape identities of young adults? Yeah. So I remember feeling the calling I can pinpoint it, but not to say that I kept pursuing it. Um, when I was 15, I was sitting in a high school chapel. I went to a private Christian school and they brought in some, I don't know, this crew, I guess it was like interns at a church and they did this uh, presentation. And I remember thinking, that's what I want to do. I want to work with high school students. And then I remember following up that thought, I am a high school student. What? Like, how? (laughs) That doesn't make sense. And then from that moment on, I was like, okay, I'm just going to lead wherever I can. I'm not going to engage in gossip. Um, I'm not going to engage in 
I don't know, think of whatever crazy stuff goes on in high school as much as I could, as, as much as my wisdom would take me at 15. I'm, I was a hundred percent foolish in so many areas, but I was trying. And I remember I was the only senior girl at my church in youth group, like the only one. So I was like two other senior guys and uh, we were all, the three of us were friends, but that put me in a position where I had to lead because, you know, there were young girls under me that were looking at me and I had, I have a ton of sisters and cousins that are all female, I have one male cousin. I'm surrounded by girls. And I remember growing up saying, I hate girls. Like they're so dramatic. They're so needy, whatever. Little did I know the Lord was like, Oh, well, I'm calling you to young adults. And granted, it's not just girls that I'm called to, but um, that is a huge focus. That's mainly my audience. And so once I graduated high school, I immediately got into ministry. Um, I literally was leading high school students as a freshman in college. <laughs> like what, who put me there? I don't know. But from there, I was just always involved in whoever was younger than me, whoever was next. I was going to try and lead them well and uh, steward their faith as best as I could help with that while growing in mine. And um, just giving them anything that I learned, anything that any lesson I learned, maybe you could learn it a little bit sooner. Please take this lesson just so you can learn it a little bit sooner. And um, so that just kind of, I just kind of ran with it. And of course I had moments of being held off from ministry by the Lord. Whenever I was unhealthy, like in my abusive relationship, I went to a church that didn't have a youth group, didn't have a college group. Um, and I think that that was protection for those for the students that would have been there. Um, but every other church I've been at has youth. And that's one of the things I look for is, do you have a solid youth group or a college group? Both of those age groups are my people. I'm like, let's go to work. Tell me everything that's going on in your life. We're going to get after it. So that's kind of how I just, I mean, I've just always known that that was the desire of my heart. And anytime that I was in a job that wasn't aligned with that, I was miserable. Yeah. I used to be in sales. I was miserable. Even in the music industry. Um, I worked at CMT for a little bit. I worked at uh, in a place in New York that was in the music industry. I was miserable because I was like, I know that I'm supposed to be helping other people grow in their faith and in their identity. So that's, that's just it. <laughs> that's cool. Well, as a fellow podcaster, we certainly want to give you a kind of a chance to give us your, uh, your spin on, on your own show, but, but this you're, I love, I love the title of your show. It's called wild confidence. I know that we mentioned that at the beginning of ours, but so uh, kind of help us understand what wild confidence is about and how can we have this wild confidence in Christ? Cause I'm, I'm kind of in, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it too. Have y'all ever seen the show Dickinson? It's like Emily no. Dickinson. Okay. It's super artsy, super it's weird. On like, it's on Apple. Yeah. 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 It's on Apple. Um, I was watching that show and I was like, this girl wild. She's got some wild confidence there. Like she's just a little nuts. And then I was just thinking like, that's what I want to be as wild as she is in my faith or in the Lord. And I, and so how do I do that? How do I, how am I like, why am I this way? Why am I a little bit wild? I always feel like a, a round peg in a square hole when it came to like church, honestly. Um, and I always just felt like, 
I don't know, just a little bit off, <laughs> a little yeah. bit off my rocker. And <laughs> so whenever I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, what I want to do is create a space. Cause a lot of people ask me for advice and I'm like, a lot of times I'm just regurgitating what someone else has told me. So I'm going to bring everybody in that has taught me anything about confidence or confidence in different areas. And I'm going to let you hear it from them. I'm going to let people hear straight from the people who influence me. So my goal is to bring on people that I've learned something or a lot of things from and I always hype my guests up so much, but I'm like, no, I mean it because they really changed my life. Um, Lauren Daigle was on, she taught, she has taught me so much about confidence in God's goodness mm -hmm. and his mercy. She is such an incredible uh, person to just give and give and give God's grace and God's mercy. And, um, she just shows me a lot. And so I brought her on and I was like, let's just talk about it. Um, the girl named Blake, my friend Blake, I was talking to yesterday has taught me confidence in my voice and in biblical literacy. We don't really hear about that very often. Yeah. So I loved hearing her. Prince Amukamara was on, uh, he, his actually hasn't aired yet, but he taught me confidence in tithing and being a good steward of my money and talents. Um, so all these people, which I could go on forever, taught me about the Lord more and more every day. And when I see, you know, him in them, I grow more confident in who he made me to be because I'm like, he made us all in his image. So it's my responsibility to share what he does through my friends so others can learn and grow as well. You know, personally, when I look for him in other people or places, I'm more confident in him and who he made me to be because I'm so relational. I'm a relational and visual learner. So he shows me him through other people a lot. And of course, through my time with him, very much so. But the more confident I become and the more I look for him in others, it's additional evidence of my faith that God's creation is good, Yeah, yeah. that he is good and he loves you so much that he's going to surround you with people that will love you and cherish you and treat you like a treasure. So then you are edified and you can hold your head up high and say, no, I know that God is real because of this. I know that God is real because of the work that he's done in my life, the healing he's brought to me. And the reason I'm confident is because I see it in the people around me. Mm -hmm. There's no reason that all of us should be this happy and confident other than a supernatural gift of God. This is not human, this confidence. The, the moment that I look in the mirror every day and I have to choose that, I have to choose to step into the confidence of the Lord. If I rely on my own confidence, I'm useless. I'm useless. Amen. That's good. That's good. And really confidence is this sort of understanding or belief that, that someone or something is trustworthy mm -hmm. and, and what you're echoing and, and you've said throughout the show is that God has been trustworthy. Yeah. Not everybody believes that Ainsley. So, so yeah. give us just kind of a quick thought on as you, as you wrestle this out with young adults and teenagers, because we're in the same space. How are you helping them understand that this God that they can't see can be trusted? Yeah. The number one thing that I do is encourage them to ask questions. I'm like, ask every single question you have. And I think one of the main ones is like, well, why would God do this to me? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, let's take a pause here. Did you make a choice that led you to this place? Well, yeah. All right. Then you need to take some responsibility. You did that to yourself, miss. Like this ain't, he's not throwing 
awful situations on you. You have the power of free will. So one of the things is encourage them to ask questions. Also awareness of your choices, because my goodness, you are not always the victim. Sometimes you are, but like, even in my abusive relationship, I mean, I was absolutely a victim in that relationship, but I knew that I wasn't meant to be in that relationship. So we have to talk about consequences of our actions, but we also need to talk about the redemption of the Lord and the hope. Um, Biblical literacy is going to be a a big one that helps young adults wrestle with their unbelief. I'm like, find something seamless by Angie Smith was an incredible resource for me that made the Bible make sense. It made it interesting to read because it, it, it just made it make sense. And she was, she has such an honest voice there. So I always encourage people to read that. Um, and keep, I keep no secrets. I will tell you every lesson I learned if it's appropriate for our conversation. I'm like, I mean, even, uh, one of my friends yesterday, she, we were talking about money. Like who talks about money? No one talks about money. I'm like, this is what I got. Here you go. Because she's doing a similar path. And I'm like, this is what's hard. This is what's lucrative. This is what's not. I keep no secrets. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that helps them wrestle with their unbelief is learning from those one, two, or three steps ahead of you or 10 steps ahead of you. That that's what I think is the most helpful is welcoming them to ask questions and encouraging them to learn from the people that are one, two, or 10 steps ahead of them. Because my gosh, if I could have learned so many lessons a lot sooner, I would be in a good spot. So I mean, everything I do is because, you know, it's, it's focused on what I needed and what my students or mentees need now. So unveiled is for those who struggle with life controlling issues. Map is actually, it's a little bit reversed. It's for parents. It's called media and parents, and it's a Facebook group. And it's just for parents to know what goes on behind the screens of their teens. Um, I'm writing a dating book right now that will cover everything from being left on red to subtle signs of an abusive relationship. Um, I have a mentorship program for 20 somethings who just need help clarifying some question marks and wild confidence. I mean, that's just like just everything I know I I can spit out to other people. And I know without a shadow of doubt that I'm doing what God has purposed me to do because I watch him move through conversations and prayer. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how that just happened. That ain't for me. (laughs) Like if you got anything good, anything good. And I'll say this about this podcast. If anything was good, encouraging, felt true to you, that had nothing to do with me. That's just the Lord speaking to you in your, in this moment. That was, that has nothing to do with me. Give every single ounce of that to the Lord. From one fellow to to another, my mentor in college and, and now good friend says it this way, quoting Jesus. He said, freely you have received, now freely give. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the echo of her heart that I'm hearing Rob is mm-hmm. that, that whatever's been given to her from, from other mentors, from the Lord, she's just handing out. And what I've learned from that, and Ainsley, you'll, you probably can testify to that is the more you give, the more the Lord pours in Yeah, when you, when you live open-handed with what God's given you, God keeps living open-handed with you and keeps pl- blessing and pouring into you. And, and mm-hmm. listen, I've learned something today. Yeah. I've gained a lot. I, hopefully we've got a new friend. <laughs> Um, oh, for sure. Two in the hizzy right here. Man, I hate being outnumbered <laughs> by twos. <laughs> it's okay. I have so much seven in me. You almost wouldn't know. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. You do. <laughs> hey, it's been such a joy to have you on the show. And we have one final question we ask all of our guests. 
And, um, and so we want to throw this question at you too. So what is one thing you learned in college that did not take place in the classroom? Okay. I have to, yeah. because one's just not enough. <laughs> the first one is don't seek advice from your peers. <laughs> like stop. That's good. <laughs> if one more college student tells another college student to text him back, stop, <laughs> stop. You need to quit that. You need to call your mentor, find a mentor. But the second is don't date a boo-boo dude. You gotta explain what's mm. a boo-boo dude. What is that? Boo-boo dude. Boo-boo dude is any guy that you know you shouldn't be dating or talking to if because we don't really date these days. We're like talking. Stop. Don't come at me with that. You're dating. You're going on dates. You're making out. Stop. Like that's what that is. And a boo-boo dude is anyone who, like I said earlier, like leaves you on red whenever you shouldn't be. Any guy that says, yeah, we can hang out if you want to. No, boo-boo right there. That's boo-boo. Get that out of here. No, you should be excited to hang out. My husband, I was like, you better come up with some good dates, like good date ideas. We're going driving movies. We're doing, we're going to Love Circle in Nashville and having a little picnic. Like, no, you better make it impressive. And- he rose to the occasion. I got to tell you, he liked that. He's like, oh, challenge. Okay. I'm here for it. And obviously the boo-boo dude in my story is my abusive relationship. So it covers a wide range of guys, but I'll say stop wasting your time and giving your heart away to guys who don't steward it well. That's good. That's good. Or girls. Sorry. It goes both yeah, ways. But Yeah. 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 Ainsley, I, I am... I am a fan and hopefully a friend. Like yeah. I've enjoyed Absolutely. so much. Yeah, this fun. has been such a great time. And um, as we always say here at the Leadership Drip and take this as with as much truth as I can say, you always have a seat at the table. Thanks for coming on. Thank y'all. I had so much fun. Don't tell other people. It's one of my favorite podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't tell anybody, but, but we, we appreciate it. So. thanks Ainsley thank Thank y'all hey friends thanks for listening to this episode of the leadership drip we loved having you at the table for this conversation would you do us a favor and comment rate subscribe and share on your social media that way we can get this content to other great leaders and stay connected with us on Instagram at the leadership drip and on Twitter at leadership drip and remember you have a seat at the table